Broadway for Thursday, April 25th, 2019. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, today the final major awards are announced before the Tony nominations or the nominations are uh, at least announced. This afternoon, uh, the 64th Annual Drama Desk Awards will be announced on New York One. I'm guessing they're going to have to have a live stream somewhere. I, did, I haven't seen that mentioned anywhere, but my cable package certainly does not get in, in New York <laughs> One. So I guess we'll figure that out somewhere. I'm sure all of the you know, Broadway sites will have streaming options you know, that you can check out. But those will be announced around noon, so a little later than normal. Uh, and then tonight, the final show of the 2018-2019 Broadway season officially opens. And that, of course, is Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Um, I'm super geeked about these reviews, James, because the word of mouth has been so varied depending on when and who saw it um, that I'm interested to see what the critics say to see if we can really spice things up in the best musical uh, race. And then speaking of best musical race spice ups, all of those reviews that we talked about the other day about Tootsie being so great, leave it to my girl, Sarah Holdren. She's the best. Uh, her review is titled, Can Tootsie Work When It's Not 1982? The one quote I'm just going to say is, it's got call-outs and teaching moments galore, but that doesn't change the fact that it's still the story of an egotistical dude who puts on a <laughs> who puts on a young Betty White wig and somehow becomes world's best feminist. So thank you, Sarah Holdren. Uh, Variety also had a, uh, a, a lookout how Tootsie is making it these days. Uh, I have to send that over to you to throw into the links because I, let me see if I can find it quickly, but it was something along the lines of um, uh, where was it? Ken Avengers Endgame. No, that's the wrong one. (laughs) Oh, that's, that's tonight too. Don't worry. I'll be there. (laughs) How Tootsie musical was updated for the me too error by Jordan Moreau. So, Mm. uh, Hmm. Was it? Was it? Was it? Well, I haven't seen it yet, so I, 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 I know it's a, it's a rhetorical question because I know the answer is no. But uh, <laughs> you're I mean, like John McLaughlin, and the answer is well, no. <laughs> so I mean, people. I mean, what? Yeah, we we've got other shit yeah. to talk about. But I I was just I was bumfuzzled by some of these reviews that seemed to make it sound like it was when it wasn't. Anyway, okay, let's go. Uh, just one more quick thing. Uh, this uh, live noon New York One drama desk announcement. What is this obsession with Broadway gets all of a sudden obsessed with being on television? Uh, I mean, New York One is watched by like four people that are stuck in a dentist office. <laughs> uh, I, I can't I imagine know, what the hell they're doing. Uh, this is a bizarre, well, the, the bizarre drama desk. I, are the drama desks normally done on New York One? I don't think they normally are. Um, I could be wrong. But New York uh, drama desks do have a new presenting sponsor this year, so I wonder if there's something with that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and um, uh, we'll talk about that. All right, first up in the news. The reviews are in for the Broadway premiere of Inc. Yes, James, this is... Um, very interesting to me because these reviews are 
quite all over the place. Uh, this, of course, is the latest Manhattan Theater Club uh, transfer from London, and it has a fantastic array of stars in it. Of course, the play comes from playwright James Graham and is directed by Rupert Gold. Stars Bertie Carvel, Johnny Lee Miller, Rupert Gora. Um, uh, Bertie Carvel plays Rupert Murdoch as he's beginning to start up his tabloid, The Sun, which is being run by Johnny Lee Miller's character, Larry Lamb. It is an essentially uh, a cautionary tale, as I believe this first review we're going to talk about highlights. Um, and some of the reviews are phenomenal. And then some of the reviews are horrendous. Um, we will have some highlights in the show notes if you want to check those out to kind of get an idea as to what the show looks and feels like. But let's start off with Ben Brantley from The New York Times, who made the show a critic's pick, writing, quote, directed with a vaudevillian flair. And Firecracker Snap by Rupert Gould, Inc. is set in London in the gory glory days of a quaint phenomenon, print journalism. The show begins in 1969 with the purchase of a dying newspaper. Older news, right? Uh, on the contrary, Mr. Graham's account of the resurrection of that paper into a tabloid behemoth that hypnotizes its readership will forever alter its competition's DNA, foretells the age of populist media in which we now live and squirm. The first act of Inc. abounds in adrenaline. Lamb's inspirational watchword for his crew is fun. We are, after all, at the tail end of the swinging 60s. And Mr. Gould and choreographer Lynn Page, yes, there is a choreographer in this show, uh, turn the cast into a sometimes literal conga line, wriggling to an infectious forward-moving beat that obviates doubts and scruples. The show's admonitory bass line, which has been throbbing subliminally since the first scene, becomes louder in the second second half lamb's ever evolve lamb's evolving killer instinct is tested in in this darker and heavier act when the editorial calls he makes have the potential to ruin lives of those close to him and james uh this line here from brantley where he says that the admonitory baseline has been subliminally there from the first scene apparently it wasn't strong enough uh, or overt enough for some people because helen shaw who is writing for time out new york only gave the show Two out of five stars writing, quote, why is there no drama here? Clearly, there there were matters of life and death confronting these men. The choices Murdoch and his editor made 40 years ago, the race to the bottom, the destruction of journalistic ethics, the anti-immigrant rhetoric still matter a great deal today. But although Graham labors hard to humanize Lamb with shadows of self-doubt, the psychological element is oversold and unconvincing, and we're left with a long show about a foregone conclusion. Sarah Holdren, of course, uh, on the other hand, seemed to get the morality play in it a bit more. James Graham's Inc. and the Lehman Trilogy make for an interesting comparative case study. Both take on self-made giants of the market, both use humorous, highly structured writing to pick apart the hubristic growth of a modern money-making empire. Both are unashamedly built to be entertainments. You could even call them romps. Although it's debatable whether any play, no matter how heavy or light, is capable of doing more in the face of contemporary capitalism than simply holding a mirror up to nature, even that task can get easily sidetracked. Ink, though... Or Inc., though it resists moralizing, is at least interested in asking moral questions. It's about journalism, after all, so questions are in the marrow of its bones. And as directed with 
plenty of pop and fizz by Rupert Gold and driven by the compelling performances of Bertie Carvel and Johnny Lee Miller, it's both playful and thoughtful. Not perhaps a kick in the guts play, but an energetic, respectable handshake. Uh, and just to wrap these up, James, Matt Winman of AM New York gave the show four out of four stars, while Frank Rizzo for Variety said, quote, garish, lurid and brash. Ink is the theatrical equivalent of its subject, the UK's Daily Sun. Like the tabloid, it feels unsub- unsubstantial, rushed and icky. I think it's interesting that Rizzo thought it was rushed, but Shaw thought it was too long. So I it, we're getting quite the array of, of reviews on this one, James. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I agree that it's not one that is going to necessarily maybe be your favorite play of all time, but the kookiness that came in the direction and the fact that it has a choreographer and conga lines and the set is amazing. Um, I think that plays in really well to the story being told. And I, I really enjoyed it. And I think it is almost certainly going to be a, a best play nominee this season. They didn't share a choreographer with Beetlejuice because they have the conga line. <laughs> I don't think they did. No, I, I think they had somebody different choreographing that one. Okay. So, uh, I'm headed to Ink on Friday, so I uh, I guess cool. we'll talk about it on Sunday on This Week on Broadway. Um, all right, next up, we have uh, Disney announces Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, they uh, kind of, James. Uh, on a recent Nightline uh, feature celebrating the company's 25 years on Broadway, Disney theatrical president Thomas Schumacher announced that he is currently working on bringing back the show that essentially launched the company's dominance on Broadway a quarter century ago. That, of course, being Beauty and the Beast. This would be the company's first revival of a Broadway show. Although he kept the details vague, Schumacher said, quote, I'm not announcing location or time. But I am deeply in it. So, yeah, it's happening. OK, um, I would imagine based on those comments, James, that we are at least a couple, two, three years away uh, from seeing this on a Broadway stage. Uh, the, the Nightline feature, which we'll link to, um, also uh, had uh, interviews with Disney on Broadway stars discussing, you know, bringing iconic characters from the classic animated films to the stage. But what really interests me, James is whether Schumacher and Disney will go the route they have been with their recent Broadway shows and play it safe, maybe just bring back the tried-and-true original production of Beauty and the Beast, which ran for like 13 years, or if they'll try to go the route of of what some of the things they've done with um, Lion King and even, uh, and even Peter and the Starcatcher and be a little inventive with it and shake it up, maybe bring in some new elements from the live action film, maybe use some sort of puppetry or Disney magic and, and, uh, Disney imagineering rather than having just folks in mascot life-sized costumes or something like that. What do you, what do you think they'll do? If they're, if, if Schumacher's deep in it now, do you think that they're going to actually change it up? Or are they just going to slap up the old show back on Broadway? I think that it's going to be hand in hand with, uh, you know, the new version of the film version of Beauty and the Beast and other types of things that Disney is pushing. They they seem to do things uh, across all mediums together. I, I don't see them as, you know, other than Julie Taymor in The Lion King, the rest of their shows have been very straightforward uh, presentations of their shows as far as I'm I'm thinking and I'm concerned. Um 
I would love maybe Julie Taymor to come back to Broadway and take her hand to Beauty and the Beast. What do you think? Or Rachel yeah. Tavkin, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Evil Van Hover presents De- Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> I, I, I actually made that joke to my Broadway World colleague, Alan Henry, yesterday, oh, who no. is obsessed with like, – that's the show that made him fall in love with theater with Beauty and the Beast. And I think he muted me in Slack for the rest of the day. <laughs> Our minds are finally melding. Because <laughs> you never a mentioned, miles you, away. You, yeah, you didn't mention that to me, and yet yeah, we had the same exact thing. So, uh, Disney, when I saw this, when I uh, my initial reaction when I saw this come across uh, yesterday was, oh, why are they wasting their time on Beauty and the Beast? I mean, it's a great show, and I really enjoy it, and things like that. But there's so much stuff that uh, an organization like Disney, who has the resources and the ability to put on anything that they want in the world, they don't need to go back and, you know, leave Beauty and the Beast for encores, leave it for, you know, somebody <laughs> somebody else to do, you know, uh, but to take up a Broadway theater and, you know. And, well, and, and what Broadway theater? Because they – all of their theaters are occupied and who knows how long this is going to take. Maybe Aladdin or Frozen closes when this comes in. But will it go back to the palace if the palace ever reopens? Um, maybe that would be a good way to relaunch the palace because that's where the, the show was for a long part of its uh, Broadway tenure. Not its entire tenure, but uh, a good portion of it. All right. Let's move forward into the show and casting news. Alrighty. First up, uh, down, up, or over, depending on your specific geography, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, the American Repertory Theater announced this 2019-2020 season. I'm just going to hit the highlights, but the full announcement, because they got a ton of shows in multiple theaters, uh, will be in the show notes. The season will begin this fall with a new musical six from August 21st through September 27th. The show, of course, as we've discussed uh, many times, will have its North American premiere in Chicago this summer before heading up to Canada. Um, It'll be interesting to see James La to talk. There's a very big-name commercial producer involved with this show, so I can't imagine it's just going to play regional theaters. I would think we'll get this in New York in some shape or fashion sooner rather than later. Then in December, ART will host the world premiere of Dave Malloy's latest work. And if it couldn't get kookier than that description of Octet I gave you earlier this week, <laughs> he has a new musical version of Moby Dick based on the Herman Melville novel of the same name. Malloy's great comment collaborator and one of James's dream beauty and the beast directors, Rachel Chavkin will return to direct from December 3rd through January 12th. And of course, great comment had an out of town tryout at ART before coming to Broadway. And then ART artistic director, Diane Paulus will direct a production of 1776 from May 22nd through June 28th of 2020. She'll also be bringing her off Broadway hit Gloria, a life to Cambridge as well. Also, on uh, Wednesday, getting our days right here, we learned the initial casting for the Hollywood Bulls summer production of Into the Woods. Tony winner Patina Miller will play the witch. Gatton Matarazzo of Broadway fame, as well as one of the stars of Netflix's hit Stranger Things, will play Jack. Former Dorothy in the Wiz Live, Shanice Williams will play Little Red. And then legendary EGOT winner Whoopi Goldberg will voice the giant. More casting will be announced later. The production will run from July 26th through the 28th. Now, James, let's head back down to Beantown because late last night, we love a 
we love a midnight press release or 11.30 press release. Uh, it was announced that the allegedly Broadway-bound production of Tea at Five, starring Faye Dunaway, has extended at the Huntington Avenue Theater. It was originally only supposed to be like a two-week run, but it will now run from June 22nd through July 14th. No word yet on when this will actually make it to the main stem. And finally, in this section, James, in an interview on the Today Show promoting her CBS All Access show, The Good Fight, two-time Tony winner Christine Baranski revealed that she is prepping for her latest movie musical role in a film that has, quote, not been announced yet. Now, James, my first thought was Mazeppa in the Gypsy movie or even Madame Morrible in the Wicked film, but those have been announced, more or less. Um, so I'm thinking it's got to be something different. I I've heard rumors of a Follies movie. Uh, a show in which uh, Baranski did at the Kennedy Center before. And, of course, her Mamma Mia co-star Meryl Streep would be a really good fit for that show as well. So I'm going to throw out and just hope that 2019-2020 is the season of Sondheim. Uh, since we, we know we've already got, already got at least one Broadway revival of Sondheim show, I think we'll have more Sondheim stuff uh, announced here soon. Um, I'm going to say I'm gonna say Follies. She's doing Follies with Meryl Streep. Print it. Done. Done. All right. So it is said, so it is written. So it shall be written, so it shall be done. All right. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. The <laughs> I bring to you these 15, psh, 10 commitments. Ten. Um, we have a potpourri section here. Yeah, a potpourri. Uh, just because these are some random things that I wanted to throw out. Some, uh, one, not so random. Our last story is serious. But um, the first one is that yesterday it was announced that Ain't Too Proud, colon, The Life and Times of the Temptations will kick off the Today Show's Broadway Week this coming Monday. The show's stars will perform a medley of The Way we uh, the way You Do the Things You Do and Ain't Too Proud to Beg during their appearance on Today and will perform the classic song My Girl on Today with Hoda and Jenna. Check your local listings. No word on the week's other participants but we will let you know when they are announced of course uh, i also wanted to mention a new york times article by rob weinert kent he uh, is normally one of the editors at american theater but he's uh, in the gray lady uh, and goes deep into one of the most subtly nuanced sets of the season with designer rachel hawk who also is the set designer for hadestown but this is actually looking in detail at what she created for what the constitution means to me it means to me, excuse me, um, it seems like a very straightforward set, but there's a lot of detail and nuance in there. It's really interesting. One of the interesting details, James, is the fact that one of the photos hanging on the wall is of a young Norman Lear. Hmm. Uh, which is a really cool story in there, too. So check that one out. And finally, as I said, our last story today, we do have to end on a serious, sad note. As on Wednesday, we learned that Tony and Olivier Award winning playwright Mark Medoff had passed away at the age of 79. Most known for his masterpiece, Children of a Lesser God, for which he was also nominated for an Academy Award for writing the screenplay. He was also an Obie nominee for his play, When You Come and Back, Red Writer, and a film version of his play, The Heart Outright, was recently purchased for distribution. Medoff is survived by his wife, Stephanie, their three daughters and eight grandchildren. Godspeed, Mr. Medoff. I'm sure that uh, Peter and or Michael will probably have some remembrances of him coming up on This Week on Broadway. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Matt. And my, oh, you know what? I just remembered I was going to send you something. You know who's doing it right? Who's that? Vegas. Vegas is doing it right. I just saw an announcement that Sting is in residence in <laughs> Vegas. 
Remember when we yeah. thought that in residence was going to mean people like Sting? Sting. Well, I mean, it's better better than getting a new production of The Last Ship, I guess. But um, there's a big, but there's a big difference between being in residence in Vegas and on Broadway. And mainly, I'm talking about the size, which means the number of tickets you can sell, which means the amount of money that a star can make with a 1,500 seat theater at best. I don't know if it's worth Sting's time to roll out of bed, to be honest with you. Oh, that's, who is that, Christy Turlington? That, uh, I don't get out of bed for less than $10,000 a day. <laughs> same, same. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Thursday with us. Matt and I will be back with you tomorrow morning, right about 8 a.m. or so, and we'll talk to you then. 